Fans TV for the fans by the fans. A very good evening to you all. Welcome to Scarborough Fans TV. My name's Ken Stewart. I've got a special uh, edition for you tonight. We've got a special person coming on, a man that knows a lot about Comfy City. Um, is coming on live tonight. Uh, I know it's been a bit boring all week with no football, international break, and all that. And uh, hopefully, this will liven you all up tonight. I'm sure this man uh, knows um, quite a lot about Coventry's and certainly more than me. Um, I'm going to introduce uh, our also the other guests for tonight. Claudio, good evening, Claudio. Good evening. Good evening, mate. Not too bad, mate. Now, uh, yeah. the, the guy we're just about to introduce certainly knows his stuff, doesn't he? Oh, definitely. He's uh, a top man. In fact, everything I know is probably reading his books and uh, in depth. Uh, and listening to my old man, so uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's okay. where my history comes from. Yeah, he's uh, a, a great guy. Let's get it. Shall we get him on? Yeah, Claudio? let's get him on then, Claudio. I'll, I'll hand it over to you then, and you can introduce him. Right, introducing to the Sky Blue fans, uh, Jim Brown, a fantastic guy. He's everything about there is to know about competition <laughs> and more. Evening, Jim. Good evening. Good evening, Jim. So what do you do on uh, the international break? Um... <laughs> ah, good question. I can't stand international breaks. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm not a big fan of international football, really. Um, so really, just a weekend off. A uh, bit of reading, a bit of research, and uh, put my feet up a bit, really. Well, what I want to ask you to start with is... Um... Obviously, I think what most people like to know is when did you start following the Sky Blues and what made you want to start to write about the club? Ah, good question. Um, well, I, I grew up in Leamington, um, Whitnash, Whitnash, really, um, and I first got into football uh, when I was quite young. My, my dad used to buy me the football annuals and... Uh, I've still got them actually from the late fifties, where I, I've written in. You know, I've got the league tables there, and I've written in all my little notes on them. But my first football love was Lockheed Leamington. Actually, um, my, my parents used to let me go off when I was about about seven or eight years old with a with a, a friend. Um, we go up, we walk up to uh, the, the old windmill ground. And um, I had many great days watching, watching Lockheed. You know, they they were a fantastic team back then. They, I don't think I, I don't think I ever saw them lose at home in about four years. Um, they won the West Midlands League. They won the Birmingham League. They won the West Midlands League. They won the Midland League. They were just uh, fantastic. But I got to a stage where um, I think it was 1962. Um, Lockheed got to the final of the Birmingham Senior Cup and the final was against Rugby Town and it was to be played at Highfield Road. And um, so the first time I went to Highfield Road was actually to see Lockheed play. And obviously it was a small crowd, but I was, you know, I was only nine years old and just seeing this massive stadium, I just thought, this is fantastic. Um, and then I think it was about two weeks later, 
and my dad said would you like to go and watch Coventry City they're playing Burnley in a game for the it was the opening of the Coventry Cathedral the new cathedral and well Burnley they were a top side then they'd just been in the cup final lost to Spurs but they had a guy called Ray Pointer at centre forward who was he had blonde hair and he was like every schoolboy's sort of dream, you know. And he was up there with players like, you know, Bobby Charlton, Jimmy Greaves, these sort of Johnny Haynes, these sort of players. And I said, oh, we can see Ray Pointer then. My dad said, yeah, yeah. So we went along. Now, the crowd was only about 10,000, I think. But to see Coventry City, and they, were, they hadn't changed the sky blues and that. They, they had the white shirts with a blue, blue neck. But they're up against Burnley playing in their claret and blue, you know, the famous claret and blue shirts with white shorts. And that was my first Coventry City game. And um, I just fell in love, you know, I had to go back. So the next season, we didn't, uh, we didn't go to many games, but we did go to, um, he did, my dad queued up to get tickets for the Man United Cup game. Uh, stood in the rain for two hours getting absolutely drenched on the cop. And um, we watched City lose to, to Man United. But yeah, the atmosphere that day was fantastic. 40, 44,000 in the, in the ground. Um, so I'm sorry to, to I've, I've given you my sort of bit of history about why I sport Coventry City. Um, my, my love for stats came, well, just to carry on the story, each season I saw more games and I suppose 64-5 I saw a lot of ga- a lot of home games uh, a couple of away games I think we went to Birmingham um, and uh, maybe oh, 65-6 I saw virtually every home game um, and 66-7 I saw every game and I saw quite a few away games that season and um, I'd still go to Lockheed if City were away and I couldn't get there because I used to go to school on a Saturday. So I had difficulty. We, we had games on a Saturday afternoon and um, I could skip off games quite easily um, and go off at, at 12.30 and uh, cycle into Leamington, get the uh, Priory coach uh, to High, Highfield Road. Um, but then... We won promotion, obviously, and um, it was a lot harder. The school was getting stricter about people skipping off, and I twice got caught for uh, skipping off. I remember going to going to the Leicester away game uh, just before Christmas, that first season in the first division, and um, I, I had to skip off uh, after the mid-morning break, uh, cycled into Leamington to get the coach to Leicester, well, some master saw me down the Mighton Road and um, Monday morning I got a call, the headmaster, you've got to go and see the headmaster. Well, I got, I got the cane for that, um, which, was, which, which was worth it actually to see City get a point at, at Filbert Street. Um, so I think it was the following summer, 68, when um, I got involved with the stats and what I did, I, I really wanted to know more about the, the history. And a big influence on me was a guy called Rod Dean, 
and we got to know each other during that first season in the first division. And he he was fascinating. You know, he he could talk about the 1950s, and then and his dad used to go with him. And his dad could talk about the 1930s. You know, Clary Borton and John Lauderdale and players like this. And I thought I, I'd really like to. I'd really like to get to know more about the city, uh, about the history of the club. So I wrote to Derek Henderson, who was the he was the Coventry Telegraph um, sports writer, a football writer, covered City games, and um, Derek Henderson wrote back and he said a type letter, a really smart type letter. He said, um, "If you're interested in, in looking through my scrapbooks." Please let me know. You can come to you can come to the telegraph offices on sat on a Saturday, and um, and look through my my scrapbooks. So I went over there, and he was he was a fantastic guy, and it was his he was going off. It was in the summer, so after the season, and he'd come in specifically to meet me, and he took me into this room, and he and he showed me this big pile of scrapbooks one per season, which he kept uh, for Coventry City. And he left me in this room. He said, I'm going home now, but um, when you're finished, he said, tell the guy over in the corner, he must have been the, like the weekend guy, and he'll lock up and everything. So I was there all day. And I went back four or five Saturdays running. And at the end of it, I had, uh, he'd been the football writer since 1958. So I, I, what I did, I wrote down all the fixtures for every season, the score, scorers, the light, I made a little grids, I've still got the handwritten grids I made of all the appearances and the attendances. Um, and that's what got me started. And it sort of, sort of you know, blossomed from there, really. Um, and I, as I said, I've still got those, those books. Um, that I made at the time, and you know, the 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 scrapbooks were absolutely brilliant. And when I got a call from Andy Turner, you know, the football writer at mm -hmm. the Telegraph, it's about I don't know about ten, twelve years ago, and he said, Jim, he said, um, we're moving offices um, from the Telegraph offices in Corporation Street. He said we're downsizing. Uh, I've got all the scrapbooks here. We th wondered if you would like them. If, don't worry if you don't. I'll, we'll put them in the skip. I said, don't put them in the skip. I'll have them. <laughs> so I went over, I drove over, and I picked up all the scraps. And there were the scrapbooks from when I'd, I'd been to the telegraph offices in 1968. So I've still got them all now. And... They, when Derek Henderson left at 73 time, the people like Neville Folger and, and Adam Dent, they kept, kept the scrapbooks going. So I've got all those scrapbooks out in my studio. And, you know, that, that's, it's like a gold mine. It, to me, it's, it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's gold. It really is. It's interesting you mentioned uh, Derek Henderson and Neville Folger, because they're the two books I bought, I think, regarding the, any kind of history to do with Coventry City. Yes. Nobody really wrote about Coventry City, did they? No, they didn't. No. So what, what made you, I mean, the first book you wrote, what made you start there, basically? Um, 
Well, it's interesting you mentioned Neville Forger because um, it was that book that sort of prompted um, three three of my really good friends from the London Supporters Club. Um, Rod, Rod Dean, I mentioned before, David Brassington and uh, Don Chalk. And um, I'd left London. This is We're talking about the uh, early 80s now. I'd left London, moved, moved up north. Um, we're still involved with the London Supporters Club and still close to them. We sat next to each other in the stadium. And um, uh, this Neville Forger book came out and we all said, this is, this is not good enough. There were, there, were, there were pictures in there which weren't Highfield Road, you know, purporting to be Highfield Road. And mm. we were so annoyed, this book just wasn't good enough. So, we, you know, we said, we've got to do our own. Well, I, my, <laughs> yeah. There you go. I, um, it was late. It was late eighties. Well, late seventies or early eighties, wasn't it? Yeah. Seventy nine. Yeah. Seventy nine. So, um, I, my my sort of business career had taken up. I just didn't have the time to get involved. But the other three guys got together and they they came up with Singers to Sky Blues. You you read that book, haven't you? Um, it's a fabulous book. It was the first real history of the club. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and when that was a great success, we said, oh, what we should do is we've got all the stats. Um, they did a lot of research at Collindale. I, I got all the modern from 58 right through to the modern day. So we got together and we produced the Breeden book, the complete record. Uh, that came out in 92, I think, uh, 91. Um, and that was, you know, that was a lot of work, I can tell you. You know, and I remember Don Chalk did a lot of stuff on the, you know, the singer's days and mm. the pre-World War One stuff. Yeah, it was a hell of a lot of work. And, um, but it was, yeah, it was a great success. We sold quite a few copies of that. Um, and it's and it's and it goes for a few bob even now actually, um, so that's how I got into the writing, um, and then a few years later, um, uh, I remember going into um, I hadn't thought about doing any more books, but I was in a bookshop one day and there was um, a book published by Desert Island Books. I think it was the West Ham History, and. Um, uh, the, on the back, it said, um, coming soon, other clubs, and including Coventry City. And I've wondered, who the hell is writing this book? Um, so I rang up, I found the number for Desert Island. I rang, rang up, I got this guy, Clive Leatherdale, wonderful guy. Um, and I said, who's doing this Coventry City book? He said, well, no one at the moment. He said, do you want to do it? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, I'll do it. So even though I, had, I was trying to do, have a business career, I had quite a high-powered job at the time, I, I managed to, to do the elite era, and that gave me a lot of, uh, a lot of pleasure doing that. Yeah. We've got, yeah. A, we've got a question from uh, uh, Neil. Shall I bring him in? Yeah. Hi, Neil. Yeah, well there I am. <laughs> oh, good evening, Chat. Yeah. 
Hi, no. hi Jim. Nice, nice to uh, Hello. Have, you, have, you, have you on the show. Um, you sort of touched on it a little bit in, in this story that you've just been uh, sharing with us. Um, uh, and my question really is, uh, over the years, you must have seen so much change from newspaper clippings to to the scrapbooks to now super fast electronic media so when when you're collecting history stories stats um you know the immediacy of of everything these days and and how fast information flows Mm. versus writing letters and telexes and fax machines and things like that of, of years ago has obviously changed the way that you that you work that you operate and mm. I, I just i just wonder which which method do you actually prefer you, you know which which method of getting the stories and, and the information did you enjoy the most did you do you did you enjoy the old-fashioned way or do you like the speed and the flexibility of the new digital world that we're in mm. uh, it's, it's a really interesting question neil because um you know you you talk about the old days but you know i remember you know in the early 70s you know living in london um you know sometimes you well you, most most times you didn't know the score of a city game until until you know five o'clock or you know quarter to five on on the bbc um and as for a match report um the you know the, the papers were regional so the London papers would only have the London report, match reports. Um, and I used to, I'll tell you what I used to do in those days. I, I worked in the stock exchange and they had a library there with all the newspapers in. Well, I used to spend an hour in the library every Monday morning reading. You could, you, they had the Birmingham, the Birmingham Post in there. So I could go, they definitely have a report on the city game. So I, you know, I used to go and, and and find out what had happened. Um, there was no very li- we were on TV very little in those days, and the big match didn't show us unless we were playing in London. So if it wasn't at a game, particularly if it was an away game up north, you know, I was restricted to that. Mm. Um, but I love I love the old match reports in newspapers. You know, I I still do research now. I've got a subscription to the British newspaper archive, you know, we're doing some research, you know, recently into, you know, cities reserves in the 1970s, you know, and the pink, the pink are all on the British newspaper archive. And that's, you know, that's absolutely wonderful to, to see that. Um, and of course, the match reports, you know, Derek Henson would do the pink report, which was like minute by minute, um, you know, 16th minute, Steve Witten hit a, you know, thunderbolt shot. Um, and, and you'd get the whole whole thing in the pink report. And then on the Monday night, you'd get the detail, you know, the analysis. Yeah. A, you know, really good analysis. And yeah. Yeah. You know, comments about every player in the side, you know, um, you know Humphreys and Reese caused da- damage down the wings, but Ronnie Farmer had a quiet game. You know, those sort of things. Nowadays... We get we get a report on uh, I get the, the, the Telegraph uh, called Coventry Live, isn't it? Yeah. It's it, it's it's appalling. It really is appalling for any real fan. You get no analysis. Um, 
you, you, the, the club's website, the club's report is very poor. Um, and, and I, to be honest, the best analysis I find these days is um, Sideways Sammy. I don't know if you, you read his match reports, but he does a really good analysis of what's gone on, looks at the bigger picture, um, you know, looks at individual players, comments on them. It's a, it's a good report. But it's it's a shame we've lost that the old fashioned match report, haven't we? Yeah, we have, and, and and I think you know it's it's great to be instant and up to date, and even standing on the terraces and seeing what else is going on in the league. You know, it, it has its place, but equally, I think some some of it it does spoil some of it because even even in the time I've been following football, you, you know, I. I I can remember on the Saturday evening being in the pubs and the clubs with my dad and my uncle and my granddad and everybody waiting for the guy to arrive with the pink. And, yeah. you, you know, they'd, they'd have the excitement of going to the match and then they were, then there was a sort of a second buzz on, hey, the pink's here and wherever you were, it sort of went quiet for half an hour while everybody had got their head in the newspaper. You know? yeah. and, and I think sometimes the immediacy of the digital world uh, has spoiled that for us so uh, yeah yeah it's really interesting jim thank you yeah but yeah and as you, you know you may mention about not getting team um match information now you can you know i can watch away games on i follow if i'm not going um we can watch we can watch the sky highlights you know at six o'clock or whatever there's so much of it isn't there there's so much in all these podcasts as well yeah. <laughs> there's so many, in, aren't there? In fact, there's so much of it, it even means that all our games aren't on a Saturday anymore, and there's another debate. No, no. <laughs> of course, these days as well, you've got all the armchair fans who uh, who think they know better than the manager. They you know they could pick mm -hmm. a better team, they could have better tactics, and um, yeah, and half of them I don't think have ever been to the game. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I sometimes when I'm driving home after a match on a, on a Saturday, I, I flick the radio on whilst I'm queuing in the car park. Yeah, and I hear, I hear some of these guys talking, and I'm thinking, well, which yeah. match did you watch? Because it wasn't the one yeah. that I saw. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. there was a few of them. A few of absolutely, them. absolutely. Jim, do you think uh, with the reporting now that maybe local media probably are frightened to actually report things uh, with a bit more critique than they did in the old days um I, I don't know because you know derek henderson used to travel a lot with the team so you know if he criticized ronnie farmer for you know giving a penalty away or something before in the previous game he had to go and face ronnie farmer on the team coach the next game so um, I, I'm sure it was difficult for him, but yeah, I think he. I think he was. He was very critical at times. Yeah, uh, these days I, I. I don't know. I really don't know. I think it's. I hate to say it, but I just think it's a job. Right. Yeah. I think it's a job. We've got yeah. uh, another question coming in from Luke. Miles will bring him in. Far away, Luke. You're on, mate. Hi, Luke. Good evening. Hi, you're right. Nice to meet you, Jim. No, nice to meet you too. Um, my question is: it's not really about sort of the club; it's about the city. 
Um, I'm very intrigued about sort of our medieval past and sort of, you know, talking a long, long time ago. Um, what's sort of, what's the real story behind our, uh, the nickname True Blue? And also what was our, what was important with Coventry when it comes to like royalty and parliament? Oh, it's a good question. Uh, I'm certainly not a historical expert on Coventry, but um, True Blue, if I'm, I think I'm right in saying it was uh, the blue dye that was used in the city. Um, I think it was, it was famous for that blue dye. Um, I think that's the, I think that's the answer. Um, as far as the royalty uh, element, um, you go back to the Civil War times, wasn't it? Was Coventry, yeah. Don Claudio can, can help, I think Coventry was a, a royalist stronghold in the Civil War. It was, yes, it was. Definitely. Um, you know, and, um, I don't know if you, Luke, if you've studied the, the civil, you know, the English Civil War in 16, 1640s, but, you know, there was a lot, a lot of nasty fighting around the Midlands. You know, there was a big, big battle near where I live, down in, uh, down near Edge Hill. There was a battle of Edge Hill in 1642 between the Royalists, which was King Charles, um, King Charles I, and um, Oliver Cromwell's army, who uh, were the, the Roundheads against Charles's Cavaliers. Um, so, and that was, the, the, the Coventry was you know, heavily involved in that uh, at the time. Does that help? Yeah, it does a bit. It's just when I read about some of the history, it was like Spongate and you saw the city, the, ta like the city wall and and you know, because especially as being so close to Warwick and Kenilworth, and both have been mm. two major castles at the time, that yeah. it's, it's always always intrigued me. And uh, you know, it's no, I know obviously the point wasn't the dye in the cloth wasn't probably sky blue, but it always he was thinking, you know, we were called the sky blues, and and yeah. Coventry was sort of you know, true blue, and sort of to do with it. I think it was the dye, it's just, but yeah, no, that's yeah, that's how great, thank you, yeah. But it's interesting you say about the old, the old city you know, being you know, like Warwick and Kenilworth. You know, they say that, uh, you know, I, I didn't see it, but they say that before the Second World War, Coventry had some of the finest architecture in, in, in Western Europe uh, in terms of medieval buildings. Um, but it was largely destroyed by, you know, the, by Hitler's bombings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our cathedral was beautiful. Well, look at the pictures, some of the yeah. black and white drawings. I just, yes. I, I just wish it had never been bombs. You know, I'd go look at it now. Yeah. Bit, but I love seeing old cathedrals, old, old uh, sort of architecture. But yeah. yeah, the new one's nice, but it's too modern for a cathedral for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the expression uh, "Centre Coventry" was from the Civil War. That's where it came from, where the, uh, the prisoners were held um, in Coventry. They were sent from Birmingham to Coventry, and that's where the expression comes from. Sent to Coventry, and that was from yeah. the Civil War. Yeah, because we wasn't it wasn't very nice and pleasant to them, was we? No. Thanks for that, Luke. We got a question coming in from uh, Thanks, Chris Tom. Baker. I'll bring Chris in. I'll leave, guys. I'll leave. Hello everyone, you all right? Good evening. Hello, Chris. 
Um, nice to meet you, Jim. Nice to meet you too. Uh, I, I suppose uh, my question really is, uh, is, is sort of like twofold. So obviously, you've done a lot of projects, a lot of books for Coventry City, haven't you, for the for the club? Mm. So I'm kind of wondering how much sort of work and research additionally has to go into like, each individual prog project. And I suppose I'm wondering as well which one you enjoy doing the most, if you have a specific favourite. Um, well, to the first, yeah, I'll answer the second part first if I can. I think the first one, the first book, the um, the breed, the breed and complete record, I think, was gave me the most pleasure. Um, and it was working as a team. You know, we each had our our era of expertise. We all did our own research and brought it together into into the book, which you know it was very pleasurable working as a team with three really good friends who um you know who who had the same goal and aims as, as i had um as far as how much work goes in well it, it it varies really um you know i did one the illustrated history and that required a lot of work gathering photos together but then not as much work actually putting the captions to the photos um compared to say uh, the elite era where you know i had every lineup both teams for for 34 years which was was a, a lot of keying in and well it, it wasn't a much it wasn't much cut, cutting and pasting it was keying in data um yeah so does that answer your question yeah yeah, yeah. it does, it does. yeah um, Funnily enough, um, I don't know. I don't know if any of you guys know, but I've done. A, I also did a book on Huddersfield Town um, in the 1920s, um, and and that get, that book gave me a lot of pleasure. I'm not a Huddersfield Town fan, but the the story um, behind the book, which was Huddersfield were the best team in the world, effectively in the 1920s. They won the league three years running, two two years under her, the famous Herbert Chapman. Who went on to manage Arsenal, um, and I did a book just specifically on those three years, and that was quite a bit of research. It was really fascinating, and it was learning about a club I knew very little about, and um, some fantastic stories behind it. Um, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I know I actually didn't know you'd done one for Huddersfield Town actually, so that's uh, that's something new. Learn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, no, great. That's uh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, Chris, thanks very much, mate, for coming on. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Um, I was going to ask a quick question just before we have a break, uh, Jim. Obviously, Mark Robbins is the manager now, he's done a fantastic job over the last few years. A lot of the fans are putting a bit of pressure on him now because the team are not doing as well, should we say, as um, fans expect them to. Where does he rate among your best managers along along the way? You've seen plenty come and go. Where's Robbins in your in your eyes? Is he is he up there with the best? Um, that's a good question. A really good question. I think you know, alongside Jimmy Hill and John Sillett, um, for the post-war era or the if you like the modern era, I think he's got to be up there. You know, he won two promotions, which is the same as. Jimmy Hill, uh, John Sillett um, won the FA Cup and uh, was never involved in a relegation battle. 
Um, and, you know, he had us, uh, he had us hitting above our weight, really, didn't he? For, yeah, yeah. For, for the years that he was in charge. Um, there's, there's little to choose, I, I don't think. I think they're all, all three of them are great. Mm. Um, and I think the interesting about the criticism now is if you go back to 1966, you know, to October, November 1966, it was Jimmy Hill who was getting the, who was getting the brick bats. <laughs> you know, he was under a lot of pressure because yeah. he was expected to win promotion that season. And we were struggling down in seventh or eighth position uh, and not um, leading the way. And um, he'd fallen out with his star player, Ian Gibson. So he wasn't the fans. A lot of the fans were very critical of him in, the, mm. in that season. Yeah. yeah. Fans, wrote, can, fans can be very fickle, can't they, at times? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Claudia. He, uh, he wrote a little article in the programme, didn't he, that season, at the back end, where it's a conversation between fans, wasn't it, about the performance early in the season? Yeah. With JH saying, you know, just wait and see kind of thing. It was really yeah. quite a clever bit of... Uh, oh, very clever. Very so, clever bit of uh, self-advertising, I suppose, or self, uh, self-appreciation. He's very good at that, Jimmy Hill. Was that the, the conversation with his daughter? That's it, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> where his daughter said, why are they booing Ken Hale? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very, very clever. Fabulous. Yeah, but fabulous. Yeah. yeah, I suppose it's similar if Mark Robbins had done the same last season where he was getting criticised at the start of the season, at the end of the season in the programme put, you know, Look how well I've done. You know, if if, if everyone's just patient, you can see what yeah. can happen. Yeah. Basically, who was your yeah. star player then? Your actual favourite player? Who was the one you wanted to see play? You mean my favourite all-time player? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Ian Gibson. Mm. Yeah, Ian Gibson was my favourite player. I just loved him, um, and he put. He really was a, a good player. You know, he. There was one particular game. Um, it's my favourite all-time game, actually, when we beat Man- uh, we beat West Brom 4-2, uh, 68-9 season, when Ernie Hunt got a hat-trick, but Gibson was... He was, he was actually on the transfer list. Um, and I think Noel Campbell had left him out the first two games. And he just came back and just proved all the doubters wrong, proved Campbell wrong. And um, he was just just out of this world. Um, but Tommy Hutch is not far behind, and Roy ba- Roy Barry as well is a, a very big Roy Barry fan. Um, in the modern era, well, Gus Hamer is, is a cl- was a class player, a really class player. Um, I think sometimes it's when you're young, you just have a boyhood hero. Mine was uh, Colin Steen. Yeah, was eight years old. Uh, yeah, I just remember him being a big signing for us coming from Rangers, um, yeah. and it's because of that I started looking out for Rangers results. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Colin yeah. Steen had played for Rangers, but and it's just stuck with me. Colin Steen, it's the first person that yeah. comes to mind. What about you, Ken? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Tommy Hutch sort of era because I was I sport around the Tommy Hutch sort of era. Um, he was a fantastic player, and I say, um, he's probably struggled to beat him really, Tommy Hutch. And, on that day, and I agree with again Gus Hamer in the modern day. 
uh, for me, was up there with the class, class act. But we had quite a few, didn't we? If you look back, Robbie Keane, you know, some fantastic players. Ian Wallace for scoring all them goals. Yeah. You know, um, there's quite a few, isn't there? There's loads. There's loads we can go, we can go down the list, yeah. can't we, over yeah. the years. Some fantastic uh, players have played for this club. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it goes on and on. Who's your favourite um, player currently? Currently, um, in the current team, I've got to say O'Hare. Um, mm. Although he's not playing at the moment, I think he, he's just a mu- bit of a little magician and he, he, he creates so many chances for us. And when he's not playing, as he isn't at the moment, fully fit, we know when he's, you know, we, we certainly miss him, don't we? Because, he, you know, there's not enough, for my my, my opinion, there's not enough chances being created at the moment mm. for the forwards to, to get the goals. And that's where the problem is. Um, yeah, I just hope, certainly, ben, uh, certainly ben, ben Chief as well is another one. Ben Chief is a fantastic player, he does a lot of work off the ball, what a lot of people don't realize. But uh, for me, at the moment, I'd say currently O'Hare. It's interesting, yeah. Ben Chief is my favorite player. I've, I've yeah. admired him from the day he came. I know he got a lot of criticism that first season, but, he did. Yeah, um, I remember seeing him play for Doncaster against us at St Andrews, and he impressed me that day. He must have only been about 19. Um, and and I, I, I've, I've admired him ever since and I think he got unwarranted stick mm. um, but I think I think he's he's my favorite player currently I, I yeah. really good really good to, and, and the trouble is though he plays in midfield therefore people expect him to roar forward and score goals <laughs> and, you know he he's a defensive Midfielder, yeah. and you know, like Liam Kelly. Liam Kelly's never scored a lot of goals, and Ben Sheaf will never score a lot of goals. Mm. He's a defensive midfielder. Yeah, uh, you always think back to who was that Chelsea midfielder, holding midfielder who? Sien Makaleli. yeah, Claude Claude Makaleli. Yeah, never he never gave the ball away. You know, and he never, he just sat there. Did he ever score a goal for Chelsea? <laughs> I don't think he not did. Not many, not many. But, yeah, that not you many. need, a, you need players like that. So, yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm a big Sheaf fan. When it comes to O'Hare, my worry is, is he ever going to recover mm. that form? You know, if you look at our history, there's been a lot of players who've never, you know, who had a... Jody Jones was one of them. Yeah, yeah. and met, and... They've never quite been the same. Um, I think back to Dean Emerson. Dean Emerson, yeah. He was, he was on the verge of the England squad when he did his knee. And he never, he only came back, but he was never quite that, that same player. Yeah. Um, Graham Oakey was another one. Mm. You know, he was a top-class fullback until that injury. Um, to Mick, Mick Ferguson as well, you could throw in there. Mm. He was, he, you know, he had, he had a bad injury, never quite the same. I remember no. Danny, Tom, Danny Thomas, didn't he have an injury as well, Danny Thomas? Well, Danny never came back. He never came back, did he? No. He never came back. Never came back. And he was, he was, he was one of my favourite all-time players. Yeah. Well, he was, he was taken out by Gavin Maguire, so it was, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, unfortunately he didn't come back, you're right. So my fingers crossed for, 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 for Callum. Yeah, and, you know the, the the modern game is so fast, and um, it, you know the fitness needs to be absolutely tip top, doesn't it, to to play in the championship? 
And yeah. that's why I think it's taking so long for him to get that, get to up to speed and back in the groove. Um, I hope, yeah. I hope he does come back strong then. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, that's great. That's the first half gone. That went quick, didn't we? Right. Okay. <laughs> We're going to have a little break. We're going to have a little yeah. break. We're going to show some goals as well, which will be interesting. Okay. And then I've got loads of questions lined up for people messaging in for questions. Okay. So uh, we'll go through a few of them. So okay. we'll have a couple of minute break and then we'll be back shortly. All right. I'll be I'll just stay here. And yeah, as you stay there, we'll be back yeah. shortly. All right. Sky Blue Fans TV. For the fans, by the fans. Okay, welcome back to Scarborough Fans TV. We've got a little treat for you now. We've got some fantastic goals uh, to have a look at, um, which I'm sure you'll enjoy. Have a look at these. Lincoln doesn't look too happy about the position of the wall. Hunt! enjoyed that little run until he was felled by two men. Blair through the middle for Thompson. And Thompson's got one back for Coventry. And he feels a lot better about life now. But there was no doubting the outcome when, one minute into the second half, the creative Terry Gibson fought his way through, leaving Cyril Regis to score his second and perhaps last goal for Coventry. Houchin Bennett Houchin Brilliant goal Chipped in once more Olixson oh, Poor header Straight to Dobson And Livingston Gary McAllister, the Coventry captain. Whelan. McAllister again. Dublin! It's there! And Coventry have taken the lead after 13 minutes. Dion Dublin's 14th goal of the season. He was left alone by the Tottenham defence. And Coventry have made the perfect start.
a chance to run. Well, he's seen it. Wow, what a fantastic collection of goals there. Yeah. Uh, I'm struggling to pick a favourite. What's your favourite of that one? I love Jim. Oh, goodness. <laughs> goodness me. Well, well the, last, the last one was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. That was some goal. That was fantastic. Uh, Jordan Willis goal. Yeah, it was a very good goal, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's just what a day that was. That was just a fantastic day. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's so many there to choose from. I mean, you're going right back to that epic um, FA, FA League Cup semi final against West Ham, if you remember when when we're 2 0 down and come back and won 3 2. That was probably one of my best games ever I've, I've witnessed. Um, and Gary Thompson scored at both ends, didn't he, if you remember? He did, yeah, yeah. I was right in front. I was in the West End, right? Yeah, I was in the West End. I was probably near you, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was there. That was a fantastic game. And uh, unfortunately, we did, we did, we couldn't quite... Uh, we only needed a draw, didn't we, to go away and draw at West Ham. And we lost 2-0, didn't we, in the end? Yeah, well, we could, we could have... Um, we were hanging... We were 1-0 down and hanging yeah. on at the time, weren't we? Yeah, we when, Jimmy, when Jimmy Neighbour scored that offside yeah. goal. Yeah, that was yeah. like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Jim, Jim, whose kit were we wearing that night? Who did we, whose kit did we borrow? Yeah, we had a yellow kit on, but it, I don't know who's... It was yellow, wasn't it? Yeah, it was... Um, it, was uh, it wasn't It was an egg timer kit. Well, that wasn't an Admiral egg timer kit, was it? It was... No, no play, it was plain yellow. Shirts. I, I don't know, to be honest. I don't think it was borrowed from anybody. I think it was probably... They, they organised it as a special kit for the night. Yeah, because it didn't. It just had a badge on the 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 the, the, the elephant. Yeah. That's all, wasn't it? That's it was worn like. again. It was worn again. I can't remember where, but I think West was, Brom. I think it's West Brom. We wore it out, Jim. West Brom way. way, possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you, uh, I'll look it up because <laughs> I can. I can look it up quite easily. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, Claudia, anyway. yeah. we've, got, we've got some more questions, Claudia, from, uh, well, from Eric Howe, haven't we? Yeah, we've got Eric Howe, um, Astro from Australia. From Australia. Goodness <laughs> me. Yes. <laughs> right, so he said, um, how would you compare the 81 semi-final squad to that of 87 cup winning squad? <laughs> so the youth of 81, I suppose, against the Bobby Gould put together squad of 87. Yeah. How, yeah. How would you compare them? Yeah, I think the yeah, I think the difference was experience. The '87 team was pretty experienced, wasn't it? Mm. Um, whereas the '81 team were all well, almost all homegrown kids with Jerry Daly and um, and Steve Hunt um, was almost all homegrown kids, wasn't it? Hately, Danny Thomas, Les Seeley. Yeah, uh, Andy Blair. That, no, I know Andy Blair had gone by then. Um, Gary Jerry, Jerry Daly. Yeah, Jerry. Yeah, Jerry and uh, and Steve Hunt were the real, were the only sort of purchases in that team, mm. and the only ones with experience, real experience, I think. Yeah. Do you think um, with uh, Jimmy Hill? I mean, he's a great manager, but as a Managing director and then chairman, do you think he just got it wrong in the early 80s uh, regarding player contracts? And then, of course, the all seats of stadium. It just seemed to go from 
well, he just fell away, really, didn't he? Sort of, I felt he lost his way. I don't know what you think. Oh, yeah, I think you're right, Claudio. It was a, it was a mess that season, wasn't it? The 82-3 season, because they sold Gary Thompson. And it was almost like uh, Sexton gave up. And, mm. the, uh, and the players revolted. And they had yeah. a ter terrible run of games without a win. Um, we're actually drifting into relegation zone when they won 3-0 at Stoke. And um, it, it was a mess that season. And I think it was Jimmy, Jimmy just, I don't know what, what, what was in Jimmy's mind, to be honest. He, you know, he let them all run their contracts down. Um, I, I don't know, Claudio, it really was a mystery. I've got, a, got a question from uh, Paul Hughes. Uh, Hi, Jim. I have an old spoon with a Conference City crest on it with us called the Bantams. When yeah. and why were we called the Bantams? And I think it was Jimmy Hill who changed our name to the Sky Blues. Yeah, yeah, we were the Bantams until uh, 1962. I actually don't think it was Jimmy who came up with that, uh, the Sky Blue nickname. I think it was Derek Henderson um, who came up with it. Uh, obviously, Jimmy changed the kit colour to Sky Blue. But I think the nickname uh, came from Derek. And the Bantams, the, re the name the Bantams came from the days before, it, before the First World War when the team always, they always had a small team. They were all slight players. And uh, the Bantam is like the small chicken. So that's, that's where the... That's where the name came from. They were nicknamed the Bantams because of their light, you know, lightweight, really. Got a question from Cobb Andy. Jim, when was Dietmar Brooks' testimonial? That was my first time at Highfall Road and the start of my love for the Sky Blues. Okay. Uh, Dietmar's testimonial. I think it was 1973. Um, I'll have to look it up. Hang on. I think it was 1973 off the top of my head. It was against Charlton Athletic because that's where that's where Dietmar went to um, from Coventry, joined Charlton, and then Charlton brought the team up. Uh, 1972 it was, year out. And Charlton beat us 4-3. Uh, sadly, there are only just over 4,000 people present. Oh, there you go. Okay. Um, we've got another one uh, here from Mark Cunningham. Uh, uh, Jim, what do you remember from Highfield Road when it was sold under our feet? What about all that under the Richardson era, I presume, wasn't it? When, when, when Highfield Road was so tragically sold. What what's your memories of that and your feelings at the time? Um, I think the feelings at the time were were we had to move because if we were going to be a major, you know, I think Brian Richardson's, you know, his ambition was always to have us as a top half Premier League side, mm. and you know the capacity at Highfield Road was only about twenty three thousand. Yeah. And uh, I think he realised that we couldn't continue. Uh, we had to, we had to, you know, have a bigger stadium. And 
yeah, the, 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 um, the houses around Highfield Road made it impossible to redevelop that site. Um, so they had to look for something else. I think the, in retrospect, well, even at the time, I think the sale of Highfield Road was, was um, too soon because mm. they were, they'd already encountered problems uh, um, at the site they were looking at um, up at, um, at Longford, you know, where we are now. Yeah. And because of the, the gas situation, the gas, the gas works was there. Gas. The soil was, was, um, the soil was, what's the word? Um, poison, poisoned. Yeah. It had to be, um, it had to be, uh, I can't think of the word I'm thinking of. Cleaned up. <laughs> yeah, it has to be cleaned up. I think yeah. it was contaminated, weren't it? Contaminated, that's the word, yeah. contaminated. Yeah. Um, so they had to be decontaminated. And I don't think that the, 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 the directors really understood the size of the problem that faced them up at Longford. Mm. Um, now, but, but I, I don't know the detail of the sale, but obviously McLean's came along with a, 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 what would look like a good offer. It was at a time when house, house, house prices were rocketing and maybe um, maybe Brian Richardson saw it as the chance, but I think it was too soon. I really mm. do. Because if you think about it, I think it was sold in about 98, mm. 99 maybe. Yeah. yeah. And yet it was six years before we moved to, mm. to Longford, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in the meantime, of course, we were relegated. Mm. And, you know, the new stadium was really built on the basis of being a Premier League side. And, and I've always said that that stadium is only sustainable for a Premier League side, football side. I really do. Mm. I don't believe, for instance, I don't believe that we should be buying, thinking about buying it. Um, you know, Paul Fletcher wouldn't have bought it. Uh, Joyce Apala wouldn't didn't want to buy it, and I don't think Doug King wants to buy it actually, mm. um, because do we know what the do we know what the costs of running that stadium are? They must be astronomical. I, I think it's a million pounds a year. Oh come on, it's more than that. Well, even more than yeah. yeah. Just uh, just, the the just the electricity bill would be a million. Well, pounds. yeah. So, <laughs> um, so what we pay in rent is it's nothing to what it would cost to run it. So it's I don't I, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. And, so. and yeah, then you've got to manage it, haven't you? You've yeah. got to manage and it's you know, it's it's one more thing for the for the directors or the, the owner to have to worry about. I, as long as the rent's reasonable, I think I think it's you know, it's it's the right sort of deal. Yeah. Well, renting football stadiums is nothing new. A lot of the top clubs do it um, all around the world. They rent the stadium yeah. for the councils. They don't own it. It's no. It's, it's one less thing to worry about, like you said, Jim. Yes. Well, a question from Keith Ray. This is from Canada. Um, yes. Does Jim have a favourite kit and badge? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do communicate with Keith. I've never met him, but he does. He does communicate with me about my column. Um, and he seems a really nice guy. Yeah, um, 
my favourite kit and badge. But badges, I'm not particularly bothered about badges, to be honest. My favourite kit has to be the the um, Admiral egg what well, they call the egg timer kit. Mm. Um, yeah, as worn by Wallace and Ferguson. Yeah. 70, 75 through till 79. No longer, wasn't it? 81, I think. 81, 82, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. 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 yeah, so that, that's my favourite, yeah. And we had a great, yeah, we had a great team that that era. I think that was that was one of my favourite teams. It's the you know that team with Wallace Ferguson, Hutchison, Powell, Yorath, Steve Hunt came in a bit later. Uh, Mick Koo, Jim Blythe, or Les Seeley. Jim players like Jim Holt and Gary Gillespie. Uh, even you know down to Ray Graydon and Ray Gooding and these sort of players. Yeah, I like that. I like that era. Um, Jim, when um, we met way way back in 1979, because my dad used to run the Warwick and Leamington Supporters Club. Yeah, and uh, and of course you were part of the London branch. So how did the London branch come about? I mean, ours is obviously a bit easier because we're local, but how did the London yeah. branch come about? Um, well, I moved to London when I was 18 in 1971, and um, I thought I was the only Coventry City fan in London. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I think Rod Dean came down a, a, a three or four, uh, two or three years later. So I had a, I had a, a friend and we... We got to know a couple of others, but there was a guy called Colin Hayes, and he put him, he put a little, I call it an advert. It wasn't; he didn't pay for it. in in a In a program when Tottenham, when we played at Tottenham, nineteen seventy six, and it said, "Would any any Coventry, London based Coventry City fans please contact me uh, to consider." setting up a supporters club in the in the capital and rod and i yeah looked at saw, saw this and go god yeah there's another one <laughs> so um we got in touch with him and we had a meeting in the west end of london one night november actually it's coming up to the anniversary um next week and uh, there were six of us at that original meeting and that's where it started you know and uh we very quickly got up to about 30 or 40. I think um, we had our first magazine within six months. Um, I was the first travel secretary and we, we used to contact British Rail and you could get um, group book group tickets um, very cheaply. And the first trip was early 77. I think we played Middlesbrough. And there were, I think there were five of us on that first trip. Um, and, but very quickly, you remember, you remember that season, we had, we had a lot of home games to catch up with near the end of the season, with a lot of postponements and what have you. And it, yeah, the numbers of travellers grew every, every home game. I think there were about 30 or maybe 40 for the Bristol City, remember the famous Bristol City game. Um, and it just went from strength to strength, really. Um, we got a lot of help from the club. Um, 
we kept on putting the advert in, in uh, programmes when City played in London uh, and it grew by word of mouth. Um, it, it was, you know, it was, a, it was a, great, a great thing, but I was one of the founder members. And they actually, a few years ago, they made me an honorary member. Well, and Rod as well, because we were the founder, two of the founder members. Uh, so an honorary member. And last, um, last uh, November, we had the, was it last November? 21 no two years ago november 21 it was the the uh what would it have been the 50 45th mm -hmm. something like that um dinner and um joyce parlor came and uh, oggy came and a couple of uh, mark robbins was there yes remember mark sitting next to joy and um colin hayes who uh, he and the sports club fell out a few years ago over trivial things, but I managed to persuade Colin to come back for the dinner and uh, he was the honorary guest and I made a speech about, about Colin's, what Colin had done um, over the years and how much we all had to owe him for, for what he'd done. And it was a great night, absolutely great night. I remember that match in 79, QPR away. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Ian Wallace scored after about eight minutes and then we lost 5-1. <laughs> yes. Uh, and they were relegated, weren't they? Yeah, well, they hadn't won at home <laughs> since December. And then, of course, we turned up and gave them the two points in those days. Yeah. Uh, Clive mm -hmm. Allen was 17, making his home debut and scored a hat-trick, which is yeah. unbelievable. But I remember we went to the pub afterwards. I think it was the Tottenham Court Road where we went to. Uh, yeah, along there, and uh, there was a quiz night, and I was only fourteen, and my dad put me in the team, and I spoke to Rod about about five years ago. Now we just bumped into each other, and he says, "Oh, I remember you." He says, "Your dad was trying to tell you the answers in Italian." <laughs> <laughs> I thought, yeah, that's exactly what he's trying to do. <laughs> yeah, Rod was uh, great at the quizzes. The, the London supporters had one of the best quiz teams in the country, um, especially when I turned out with them. <laughs> we got to the semi-final of the national uh, national competition, um, and we always did well in the London in the London and South East League. Um, the only team that could beat us were um, Wimbledon, and they had uh, they. They used to turn up all with their Rothmans under their arms and be sitting there having their uh, halves of shandy looking through the Rothmans to, you know, do his last minute cribbing on it. Well, in, in, in League Two, we had a, a Copper City quiz night. Uh, Juggy had arranged it through the Leamington Warwick Supporters Club. And I had an email from Rod. He says, uh, can I be in, in your team? And I went, Yes, obviously. <laughs> then the other lads were saying, who's this Rod Dean? I said, don't worry about it. We're winning the quiz. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, he just couldn't make it on the night. And I thought, oh, no, that's my, uh, that's my trump card. But, was that the one Michael Dole went to? Yes, it is, yeah. Well, I was there that night. Oh, were you? <laughs> yeah, I set the questions. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was. Well, well, Jim, we, I don't know if you know, but we, we, 
we've got like a question of sport thing down the uh, Scarborough Tavern at the moment. You know, right. based on the old BBC question of sport. Yeah. So um, we have got a vacancy in our team if you want to come up and join us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Where, where, are, you, where are you based now, Jim? Uh, I live a, I live uh, in a village called Radway near Edge Hill. Oh, yeah, my sister's oh, no, in Radway. Yeah. yeah, I know it. Yeah. I, I, work, I work at JLR at Gaydon. So oh right, just down driving. the road. Yeah, down the road. so I see Edge Hill all the time and passing yeah. driving on the road. Yes, yeah, so. I'm about thirty-five minutes from Coventry, so it's not it's not too far away. Yeah. So, so looking back over the years, Jim, what would you? It's, it's hard to say your, your best ever game. So give me your top three that you can think of yeah. memorable matches because you've written the, you've got a great book of the ghost, uh, goats, uh, goats, the ghosts of Vanity <laughs> Stadium, which is really good. Got yeah. some great games in there. But um, but what was your top three matches? Um, well, obviously the obvious ones like Wembley in '87, uh, the playoff, the playoff final. Um, in 2018, um, I think Notts County was a, was a special night, and I think Middlesbrough last season. I went to Middlesbrough yeah. to see the second leg, and that was the, the passion and, and the passion that night was just unbelievable. Um, I don't think I'll, I'll never forget that. But if, if, if I go back, obviously the Wolves game as well. I was, you know, I was only uh, fourteen at the time of the Wolves game, and that was that that was ju just unbelievable, you know, to 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 clinch, you know, almost clinch promotion, well, to clinch promotion by beating Wolves after you know coming from a goal behind in front of you know fifty one thousand was was something. But there's a game that does stick in my mind, and that was. A home game against Manchester City, 1977, when Man City were top of the first division, and we were, we were playing well, but we were we were twice behind to Man City. We came back to win 4-2, and Mick Ferguson got a hat trick. And the, that night was something special, you know, to come from behind and beat a side as good as City. You know, they had Dennis Stewart, Peter Barnes. Mm. Dave Watson, you know, all the big names. They were, you know, a damn good side. Um, that one sticks in my mind, but there's, there's so many, aren't there? There's so many. And the wins over, you know, some of the wins over Man United. Um, but I think, the, I think the best, the best wins, the best nights, best days are when you score late winners. Um, yeah. You know, you know, we've had a we've had this season. We we had a late equaliser, didn't we? Uh, who was that against? Um, um, at home. Home. Anyway, we had a late, very late equaliser, um, but we've also conceded a late equaliser, didn't yeah. we? And the different feet, different emotions between those two things. You know, late goal can mean so much. So much more and so much less, can't it? Mm. So it's, it's late, late winners. I just love late winners. Yeah, uh, the one that sticks out in my mind is '87 and uh, Cyril against uh, Tottenham at home. Yeah. The that was the four-three. Yes, that was an incredible game of football. Yes, end to end. Yeah. Um, that's that's the one thing about uh, 
John Sillett's team. It was basically attack, wasn't it? That was the whole idea. Yeah. Just go forward. And and I think over the years, that's probably what our problem was, especially in the top flight, was we're very good at going forward. We weren't particularly great at defending over the years. No. Which, which no, it, the, um, you, you remember the Noel Campwell days? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we used that 69-70 season. We ground out so many results, 1-0 wins, 0-0 draws. And, you know, I, I say to people these days, you know, after we lost four on the bounce, when we played Stoke, I said, we did, We need an old Campbell day today. Yeah. Just grind <laughs> it out. You know, nil-nil would do me um, at home to Stoke. It really would. I was happy with that, to be honest. The other game that does stick out in my memory is the night at the Dell when we drew five all. No, that yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was that was just unbelievable. I think we all lost track. We always lost track of the score that night. We didn't yeah, know whether it was... We thought we'd won, I think. Yeah, that was a bank was holiday it? Monday, wasn't it? it no, was a- no, it was no, it was midweek. It's a midweek um, game. Yeah. Yeah. Was, hat- was there two hat tricks in that game? Um no. score- did Kevin Keegan score a hat trick? No, he didn't. He got no. two. I think Keith hey, Castell's got two. Hey, did Hately get three? Hmm? Did Hately get three that day? Hately got three, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I remember I told my dad. I, for some reason, I thought it was an earlier kickoff. So I don't know what day it was. And he didn't know where I went. And I went down on my Vespa to Southampton. From, <laughs> from and then I realised, oh, no, it's a night game. Yes. <laughs> and I had to pretend I was staying at a friend's house. No, there weren't many City fans there. No, well, if you saw some nice. yellow scooter, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> um, there wasn't many there. I was there, um, I was there that night. There wasn't many there. There wasn't many there. Um, Ian Small says it was Norwich. We got the last minute equaliser against. Yeah, of course. Norwich. Yeah. Um, and uh, Robin Fletcher says his best game for him was the five-one at home to Liverpool. Mm. Played the Spice Boys off the park. Yes. <laughs> yes. I remember that. I mean, we had a few great results against Liverpool, didn't we? Um, we remember did, the, Terry, yeah. Terry, the Terry Gibson hat trick, you know. 4-0, yeah. Yeah, and they had a strong team out that day. Yeah, and the year we won the Cup, uh, two weeks before Wembley, we beat them 1-0 at home. Mm. And that was a very, very strong Liverpool team. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we, if you look back at our results against Liverpool in the seven, late 70s and the early 80s, they they had a terrible record at Coventry. They did, yeah. There was a lot, there were quite a few nil nils. We beat them one nil quite a few times, mm. um, and we drew. Do you remember the? I don't know if you either remember the uh, first game in the first division against them at, on Boxing Day sixty six sixty seven, when no, Ian, no, Ian and John were sent off. Oh right, okay, no, yeah. I didn't remember. And uh, the reason he got sent off. Is because um, he uh, he grabbed Brian Lewis, who gave Brian Lewis gave him a gave him a real rollicking, I think, uh, some really heavy tackling, and um, uh, Brian Lewis um, grabbed him by the balls. <laughs> John St John reacted by throwing a left a left hook. Yeah, got got his marching orders. And then wow. the following season, the following season was the final home game and we needed a result. 
and Morris Setters and Alan Evans had a punch up in the middle of the field and got sent off. So it was always a flashpoint, the Liverpool game. Hmm. Talk, talking to referees and stuff like that, where, where do you sit on the old VAR business, Jim? Um, I mean, I, I'm gonna, I think you're going to say get rid of it and stick with the referee's decision on the pitch on the day. I think so. <laughs> it frightens me. The, the, the time that's wasted doing these, these VAR checks and that one, the Tottenham one the other week where Chelsea... Mm. Uh, got a penalty from yeah. yeah they checked they checked for uh, was it a was it offside was it <laughs> was, was it something it was three checks weren't yeah. it took took too long i know i know i, I, and I think i do think the referees you know we've seen two premiership referees come down to the championship haven't we yes um What's his name? Um, Anthony the, Taylor against Preston. Yeah, he, yeah, and it was the one be- the week before. It was um, uh, Brook, was it Brooks? Bro- uh, no, uh, Coot. Coot. Yeah, that's it. Dave, Dave Coot. Yeah, both made bad decisions. I think they were they, they almost used VAR as a crutch. Mm. Oh, yeah. it doesn't matter if I get this decision wrong because VAR will put it right, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I also think they need to just decide on one uh, decision to look at and not three because it, mm. it goes far, it goes way too back in the actual rhythm, the play, the pattern yeah. of play, you know, where they check the offside, then check the push, and then check another foul. Did that happen first? Well, yes. check the first foul first. If that was a foul, then <laughs> you don't need to check the rest, do you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I do, yeah, I do wonder. Those decisions that have gone against us, which the, the, the panel have come back later and said actually yes. Madsen shouldn't shouldn't have been a penalty, and the West mm. Brom one with the offside. Yeah. What would have happened if that had been Man United or Man City? Oh, there would before, be absolute uproar, wouldn't there? Yeah, absolute yeah. uproar. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. only Coventry. It just got blown over, didn't it? We got. Uh... Ian Small mentioning uh, great game, 77, Norwich 5-4. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, fantastic game. I've, um, I'm notorious for missing late goals. My my dad, back in the days of when we had the pub, would always want to leave five minutes early to beat the traffic to go and open the pub. And right. that was one of the games where we missed the pub. We heard the roar as we left. We thought, oh, we've right, yeah. scored another goal. And we yeah. didn't realise Jim Blythe had saved the penalty. So we got in the car and was listening to the sports report on the way home. <laughs> Completely missed oh. it. <laughs> like, like the chap at Crew. Yes. <laughs> Clown, yes. yes. <laughs> talking, again, talking again against Norwich, I just remember, I can't remember what the score was, but I remember the goalkeeper got injured in the warm-up and the youth team goalkeeper came off. off. He, got, he played during the day, apparently, for the youth team. And he was sitting in the crowd and he came on the pitch and played. Yeah. Steve Murkoch. Steve Murkoch, yeah. Mur- he was, I couldn't remember his name, yeah. Yeah, he um yeah, you're right. He was the 18 goal with the youth team goalkeeper. He played in the morning, I think, at Brighton. Yeah. But in those days, of course, you know, the reserve team would be playing away. Yeah. So Jim Blythe was number one goalkeeper. Les Seeley, if I remember rightly, was away with the reserve team up north somewhere um so when Blythe did his back in uh there was only Murcott they could they could bring in that's cool and, him out stands yeah yeah and he never played another game really? but strangely 
you know. Did we win? Did we won that game. Yeah. yeah, we did. Yeah, I don't think. Oh we yeah, had, Ian Smalls just called. We won two nil. Yeah, but but uh, I think it it reminded me. Murcott was the goalkeeper in a fantastic youth team. You know, the Danny Thomas, Steve Witten, Mark Haitley youth team. Mm. And yeah. he was the only, I know he played for the first team once, but he was the only one who didn't make it. Really? really? Okay. Yeah. The rest of them all made, you know, quite a lot of first team games. Is that, is that do you think, because we had two fantastic goalkeepers at the time with Blyes and Seeley and he was struggling to... I, I don't know. He pro probably. Probably, mm. yeah. It's just a shame that was, yeah, because I, I remember it, yeah, I still... I couldn't remember. I, I, I thought it was Norwich. I weren't. I weren't sure. But was yeah. that seventy-eight? Wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Late seventies. Yeah, if I remember seventy-eight. Yeah, that was that was just after Jim Blythe had been to the World Cup with Argentina. And his, oh, back, yeah. his back. His back wasn't right then. Right. He then he later later that autumn he went. He was going to go to Man United for four hundred thousand, which mm. is a lot of money. And they, the medical brought up the back problem. Yeah. But he'd had it in Argentina. Mm. Yeah, one thing I haven't touched on is your um, your column. Mm. Uh, can you tell the people who are listening or, or watching about your column and where, we can, where they can read it? Yeah. Um, well, I've been doing a column for over 30 years for the Coventry Telegraph. And... Um, I, I don't do it every week. I didn't do it this week, for instance, but I do it most most weeks. It appears in the Telegraph, the, the hard copy Telegraph on a Saturday. Um, unfortunately, they don't put it online on their website. I don't know why, but it's always been a bit of a gripe with me. But I do have my own um, blog page. It's called jimbrownsjournal.blogspot dot co dot uk mm -hmm. got that jim brown's journal uh, dot blog spot one word dot co dot uk yeah um, yeah because not a lot of us buy the telegraph now these days do we no no i've got some i've got some loyal listeners i know uh, some loyal readers and i know they buy the telegraph because i get an email from them about 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning, saying, great, great column, <laughs> giving me their take on it. So some people still still buy it and read it. Yeah. Yeah. But I do enjoy it. It's, and I, lo I love having questions. So everybody, if you've got a question, then drop me, drop me a line at my email address and I'll cover it in the column. The, okay. last, two, the last two I've done last week was... A tribute to Ronnie Reese. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, obviously, it's a really sad thing to write an obituary, but it, it actually, I really enjoy doing them. Uh, I do, you know, I do a lot of research into into them and um, really enjoy that part of the column. And then the previous one to that was Bobby Charlton and memories of when Bobby Charlton played against the city. Um, and reminiscing really about Bobby and the Sky Blues, yeah, yeah. Um, 
And we've got another question from Matt. Uh, what about beating Arsenal on Boxing Day in 99? Um, what a team Gordon Strachan had at the time there. Yeah, they were such a good team, they couldn't win an away game. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing, that that stat, wasn't it, that we didn't win away? Was yeah. The amount of players, the quality of the players we had at the time as well. Absolutely. I remember going to the final away game at Watford and they were Watford were already down and they, they even beat us. Um, absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um, historically, though, our away record was never great, was it, Jim, really? I mean, if we'd won four games away from home, best in the top yeah. five, we thought we were doing well. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It, it wasn't great. But apart from the Campwell, 1969-70, yeah. when we won 10 away games. Amazing yeah. that is. <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, Paul Hughes, he's just uh, messaging it away. Uh, 2-2 in the League Cup, Wallace and Powell. Goals, great night. At, at Liverpool, yeah. yeah. At Liverpool, yeah. yes. yes. Uh, that was only four days after we'd lost 6-0 at, at Everton. Oh, really? Yeah. What I remember that Everton game, Jim, was that we actually played really well and still lost 6-0. It was a, yeah, I didn't go to that game. I was at the the Anfield game, but I didn't go to Goodison. A bizarre game that was. You played yeah. really well, and well, I think I think Harry Roberts was playing centre half that match because of injuries, and <laughs> Bob Latchford gave him a torrid time. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did have some good games against us, Latchford, didn't he? For Blues and Everton. Did he get? Did he score five yeah. at Highfield Road? Did he, or did he get four? I know. He, no, no, he never got four against us. I'd never, oh. He never got a hat. Either. All right. No. Mm -hmm. he, um, did he get a hat trick? In, yeah, I think he got a hat trick in that six 0 but he never scored a hat trick yeah. in Highfield Road. No. Um, mm. so have you got any um, books in the pipeline? Is there anything new on the horizon? Well, there is. Um, is that there's a quiz book coming out, which, oh. I've, which I I have compiled. But I've had nothing to do with the, um, if you like, the publication of it. I just provided the questions. And there's a card game coming out as well, which I've done, provided the questions for. They should both be out before Christmas. Oh. And also, so they'll be in the shops very soon then? Yeah, they should be in the Sky Blue shop. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, they should, but I, I'm, I've got nothing to do with that. So don't quote me on that. Yeah, okay. As, as as for proper books, I haven't got any. I haven't got any plans. I'd like to do more, but it's just the time it takes. Mm. Yeah. And uh, you know, I've just got other things in my life which um, take priority, really. Yeah. I'd, I'd like you to do a, an updated breeding book because it helps with my program collection. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm, you know, I'm always here to help you with the program collecting, Claudia. I know. I remember that that one night when you, we were talking about programs. And you said, "Have you got that West Ham program, uh, the way match where they only issued 200 on R? Not another one. I haven't got." <laughs> yeah, yeah. They still they come up on eBay occasionally. Yeah, I've got yeah. A, I've got a reprint, but not the original one. Yeah, because the game. Yeah, the game was postponed on the Saturday. I, I was going to the game and it was postponed and then they produced uh, it was a hundred or 200 just for the rearranged game but but sold the I think they mainly went to the director's box and mm. that sort of thing but um, yeah 
Yeah. Um, have you got the Ipswich 68.9 postponed program? Um, ooh. I haven't. I haven't. It's the one. No, I've got the, I've got the missing one. Arranged one of that because I remember yeah. you asked me. I looked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I've um, got some nice messages coming in for you, uh, uh, Jim. Uh, Ian Small says, What a lovely guy. Thanks, Jim, for your efforts over the decades. Thank you, Ian. Um, yeah. And uh, Keith Ray said, The donkey kick without doubt was his best goal he's <laughs> ever seen. Yeah. Uh, Paul Hughes, apart from the Hunts goal, I was at all those games. Great clips. Uh, Robin Fletcher, this is brilliant. What great knowledge. Um, Cov Andy says, thank, thank you, Jim. I was nine in 1972 and made my dad take me to all them games until I was at the age I could go on my own. Well, that's, what it's all, that's what it's all about. Yeah. You know, mm. it's, it's, another, uh, another game that's come to my mind, talking about the Campwell days. It was a great performance. Uh, the year we qualified for Europe, we drew nil-nil at Everton, who they were the champions that year. I think we were the first team to stop them scoring in, uh, for months. Mm. And, um, it was just a rearguard action led by Roy Barry, who just had the best game of his life. And uh, I don't know if you remember a chap called Brian Hill. He, he was the arch marker um, Jimmy Hill used him as a marker, and so did Campwell. It, it, if there was a danger man in the opposition, Brian Hill used to mark them. He always marked Dennis Law after the game. Dennis Law, I don't think Dennis Law ever scored against the City. And that day, he put him on Alan Ball, and he snuffed out Ball, and Bill Glazier had a blinder, Roy Barry had Blinder. It was backs to the wall in the green and black stripes. A wonderful yeah. performance. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, can we have Jim on every week? Says. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure he's got time to come on every week. He's a very busy person. Um, we might better negotiate something. Yeah, I'm sure we can. Um, what are the recollections of uh, Tom English, Matt? This is from Matt. Yeah. Remember yeah. Tom English? Yeah, he yeah. had a great, great partnership, didn't they? Him and Haitley. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Tommy English, he was in that youth team I talked about, you know, with Murcott. Oh. Um, played alongside Haitley, and he actually broke through to the first team really before Haitley. Um, I think he, they took him on tour to Scotland pre-season as a sort of raw youngster. And he scored a few goals, and he made the, he was straight into the first team at the opening game of the season. Um, he um, he scored quite a few goals that season. Um, yeah. And but you know the competition was so tough. You had Wallace and Ferguson. Yeah. You had, you had Gary Thompson coming back yeah. from a broken leg. You had Haitley and Tommy English. It was yeah. We were just had so many strikers. So if a striker didn't, you know, he stopped scoring, he was out because they were queuing up to take his place. Yeah. Um, and I think I've got a feeling Tom, uh, Tommy went off the rails somewhere. Yeah. I think he went off the rails. And he, he, dyed, he dyed his hair a few times, didn't he? He did, that. yeah. <laughs> and, his nickname was Shaky, wasn't it? Shaky Stevens. <laughs> it was, uh... was it? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I, I used to like yeah. Alan Green. He was another one as well. Yeah, there you go. He was still there, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a good, yeah. good forward. Mm. Very, yeah. Yeah. If you if you look at um, that 79-80 season when Tommy broke through, you look at the reserve team, the, re the reserve forward line put out. You know, we had, you know, Gallen Green, Mark Haitley, Gary Bannister, Steve yeah, Whitman, mm. uh, Ray Gooding, even Steve Hunt, you know, he was dropped, you know, yeah. in those days. Ferguson couldn't get a game because of his, his injury problems. Uh, yeah. and, Wallace, and, and that last, Wallace, it was Wallace's last season. He wouldn't sign a contract, so Gordon Milne dropped him. There's some fantastic youth teams, mm. uh, um, reserve teams that season. I think they scored. I think they scored ninety odd goals, ninety six goals. The reserve team. Yeah. See, this is the problem now. We don't. We don't have a reserve team, do we? Now we. It's all under twenty ones and so. I know. I miss the old reserve. Yeah. Do you remember a lad called Clive Haywood? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. He, I think he only played one first. He didn't game. play many games, did he? No. He got he got two hat tricks in a month for the reserves. He was he was hot, absolutely hot. He couldn't get in the team. <laughs> Mental, isn't it? Really? Yeah, isn't it? yeah. Absolutely crazy. Um, uh, Keith Ray, uh, I'm sorry, but this is probably the best ever episode. I can listen to Jim forever. <laughs> 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 Oh, thank you, Keith. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, there's another one here from Mark Roach. He said them about uh, you say about our way record, but the FA Cup run, if you remember, we played we only played with one game at home, didn't we? They were all away, weren't they? Yeah, we don't tend to, don't, yeah, we don't tend to have much luck in the cup with home draws, no. do we? No, no, yeah. so, that's very true. It's very true. Yeah. It's you know, winning at Old Trafford and Stoke and and started all hard places. Yeah. 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 I think that Hillsborough quarter final was something oh, special as well. I thought it was better than the semi final. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And me and Claudio were talking about this the other night, weren't we? At the mm. 87 night when we went to yeah. the Warsgrave Club. Um, we're talking now about how, how tight and compact that Leppins Lane end was. Obviously, yeah. a couple of years before the actual disaster happened. And uh, we can see how it happened because it was so tight and everybody was. And they had fences in them days, didn't they? So it was difficult to get in, you know, out of the, you know, of the stadium, wasn't it? It would have been. Yeah, I think both. Yeah, both games were. Well, the first game we were at, we were in the Lepping Lane, weren't we? And, yeah, and uh, I just remember that tunnel, and it was yeah. really tight going through, and it, I could hardly hardly move then. Um, no, no, it was a death trap. A death you trap. Imagine you, if, you, if, if the gates open, which they did, and loads more people come in, it would be. It's just a nightmare, wouldn't it? There was, a semi, there was a semi-final at uh, Wolves against Spurs there in the early 80s. And if you mm. watch that on YouTube, you can see the crowd that day was just, it, you know, it was a miracle, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but that Sheffield game, I don't know if you know, but Sheffield Wednesday hadn't lost a home FA Cup tie for about 20 years. And we were the first, I say, the first team to, to win there for a long, long time. Yeah. We were going to Hillsborough with City. We, we mm. didn't do too badly there, really, did we? It wasn't uh, no, not a bad no, thing. I don't think I've, I've never seen us. Well, no, I've seen us lose there once. That was a cup match, uh, 3 2, I think. And yeah. Bobby Gould, that was when we played really well and we lost 3 2. So, yeah. talk about away grounds. What's your uh, 
your favourite away ground, Jim? Highbury. Right. Any reasons yeah. or? Yeah, I just love the stadium. Just love the stadium. Yeah, and we and we we, we had some good games there. We, we did, <laughs> you know. We won in seven in sixty nine seventy. We won in seventy two three. Um, only uh, Tommy Hutch's goal, fabulous goal, best best city goal I've ever seen. Um, and we won there. Peter and Love got 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 the winner there, didn't he? Mickey no. mm. Yeah, Mickey Quinn hat trick. Um, we've got some really few hammerings there, but uh, remember a five nil when Brian Kidd got a couple. Um, Brian yeah, Kidd six, got a goal. Six nil, six one, last game of the season. Oh yeah, that was a, the year after Patrick, wasn't it? Yeah, the year yeah. after we lost six one at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Paul Hughes has come on. He said. Thanks so much, uh, Jim. I was at the member. I was a member of the London Supporters Club uh, in the early nineties. I remember the Phil Neal and Bobby Gold night. Uh, and he thanks for some some lovely memories. Do you remember yeah. that night? Um, I, there were there were so many good nights when we've had yeah. managers down there. I, I, I do remember the first Bobby Gold night. Yeah, and he, he was sacked about three weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> He's a very yeah. much heart on his sleeve character, isn't he, Bobby? It's yeah, yeah. You got so emotional. You got to love him. He's so emotional. So, yeah. looking at the club now, uh, where do you think we're at? How how do you feel about the club at present present time? Um. Well, when you when you look at the at the crowds we're getting, you know the. the the crowd, the average crowd is going to be the highest since 72-3 this season. 50 years. You know, we, it's fantastic. And the atmosphere in that ground is is amazing. Um, I just hope we don't have too many bad days at home because you feel that with the bigger the crowd, the more moaners there are. You know, when there were 7,000 back in League Two, you know, everybody was behind behind the team, weren't they? Yeah, uh, even that day against Yeovil, it was like <laughs> we got yeah. that didn't we? That, that's my fear. But the club itself, I think, yeah, I think Doug King is um, uh, it's early days, you know, in in owner terms, isn't it? It's you don't, it's less than a year, and I've always said, you know, let's you know, Doug's, Doug's come up with some great things. I've always said, well, let's wait and see how he deals with the bumps in the road because there will be bumps in the road. And we probably we probably got a bump in the road right now. Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens. You know, is he going to is he going to splash out a bit in the January window? Um, is he going to? He's hopefully going to stick with Mark Robbins. Um, but you know, new owners sometimes uh, fire from the hip, don't they? And uh, yeah. I think that would be I think that would be tragic myself. But um, yeah, it's early days, but you know, obviously, we've come out of a, a the Sisu era, and um, it, yeah, it looks it looks good. It looks good. I've got. Uh, a, and you know, I think we've, what we've got to do, though, we we have to bear in mind that even with Sisu, uh, the Sisu ownership, we came a long, long way in six years. You know, if you look back to the Checker Trade final and Mark Robbins had just arrived and we we're on our way to League Two, we've come a long, long way 
with that man. And you asked earlier about you know, where do I rate him as manager? Mm. He, you know, he's right up there. He's, mm. he's, you know, he's the longest-serving manager in the football league. And you know, we've had six fantastic years. And you have to look at. You can't just look at the last twelve or fifteen games. You've got to look at the whole, the whole piece. And um, we've come a long way. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you there, Jim. Before we we got to sort of uh, close the show soon, unfortunately. But I want to ask you something, whether or not you can remember the story. But I'm right in thinking way, way back in time, the club were involved in a uh, match-fixing scandal. Am I right in that? Yeah, they were, yeah. yeah. Can you remember much about it? Well, obviously you weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> can you? No, it was, it was before my time, 1920, Cloudy. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was the first season in the Football League and... Um, uh, we we had a, a dreadful start. We, it was, we got elected to the Division Two. That was the that, there were only two divisions in those days. So after the First World War, we somehow, with a lot of lobbying, we got elected into Division Two, and we, we were in above our heads. To be honest, you know, we were in with teams like Tottenham, Huddersfield, um, West Ham, Birmingham City, teams like that. Um, we didn't win a game until Christmas Day. You know, we, we, went, we went 11 games without scoring in that, that autumn. It was a miserable season. But after Christmas, they bought a couple of players, they bought a few players, um, and they got, they got their act together and they uh, clawed their way from a 10, point, 10 points away from the 21st club. They, they closed the gap slowly. Until they were, you know, they were in shouting distance of staying up. And in those days, you played the same team home and away in successive weeks. And we had the final two games were against Berry, away at Gig Lane, and then the, the final game at Highfield Road against Berry. Um, I can't. Did they win at Berry? Oh, they drew. Um, just they drew. Yeah, they drew two-two at Berry. And they came back to Highfield for the final game and City had to win to stay up. It wasn't to stay up because there wasn't a Division 3, but they, had to, they would have to go for re-election. And the chances were they wouldn't get re-elected because they'd had such a miserable season. <laughs> so the, um, the story eventually emerged. Well, what happened on the day is that City were losing 1-0 at half-time and the, the Berry chairman came in and said you know you've got to you've got to book your ideas up you, you you can't play as badly we're trying to let you win but you're <laughs> playing so badly you can't even beat us well it transpired late city came back to win 2-1 and it transpired late late it took about three years for the story to come out there were lots of rumors eventually came out that the coventry chairman a guy called david cook had bribed berry and the Berry, the Berry chairman was involved. I think the Berry manager was involved. Certainly a couple of the Berry players and a chap called George Cap Chaplin, who was the Coventry captain, was involved. And, uh, yeah, the, the money passed hands and Berry threw the game. And we, and we uh, finished 20th out of 22 and avoided re-election. Mm. And subsequently, Chaplin was banned from football. David Cook was banned from football. 
and the berry uh, the, the berry uh, culprits also got banned wow that's a fascinating it's a brilliant story that is I, wasn't, I didn't know anything about that but i heard the rumors but i didn't I didn't know all the detail but now i know so uh fascinating it's a good story yeah it's a good story yeah well, look, it's been fantastic, Jim. Um, any more questions, Claudio? You got any more to ask, or is it about it? Um, I think we'll save them for another show. I think <laughs> <laughs> we can go on. We could go on all night no. and ask questions, Jim. I'm sure you'll be there answering them. It's yeah, been fantastic. Uh, been a fantastic show. Great knowledge. I've learned a lot myself tonight. That well, I thank you know. very much for having me on. I, no, I really have enjoyed it. Yeah, really I'm glad you have. Great. Now, talking of, talking of questions, we're just going to advertise this for. We've got a question of sport, which I was on about earlier, and hopefully uh, Jim can come and join our team. Um, at the end of the month at the Clive Blue Tavern, uh, if you want to get your teams together, um, it's at the Sky Blue Tavern. Um, it's a great night. Um, it's all based on the old BBC uh, programme, Question of Sport. All sorts of you know, things like what happened next and things like that. We've got video, picture board, everything like that. It's a fantastic night. Get, you, get your teams together. Get down the tavern end of the month, 30 to 30th of November. Uh, there's 50 pound up for the grab, grabs for the winning team, plus a lovely trophy as well. So, um, get your teams together. It is really a really, really good night. So, uh, we look forward to that. Um, but yes, Jim, thanks very much. And hopefully, um, do you think they can go and win away at uh, Millwall next Saturday? Um, anything can happen. I'll tell you a story. We, the yeah. London. Club have always run a prediction league. Yeah. Um, so at the start of the season, you make predictions for every game. You don't. You've got to do it at the start of the season. You can't do it game by game. Right. So this season, I am bottom of the table. <laughs> There's 120 people in it, and I'm bottom. Really? I've only predicted one correct result, and that was at Leicester on the opening day. Yeah. I I haven't got a single result right, let alone the scores. Yeah. You get you get six points if you get the score and the result right. You get three points if you get the result right. Well, I haven't even got a, I've only got one result right all season. <laughs> wow, well, it's not a I'm going with my grandson, and he he hasn't seen us. He's only seen us lose once away in about twenty games. Yeah, oh, good. So, <laughs> and he, we went we went to QPR and we won. So yeah. And yeah. uh, we have won at Millwall before on a couple of occasions, haven't we? So uh, yeah. we've got no bad record there. And we were unlucky there last year, if I remember, we were winning and we lost it, didn't we? With a couple of goalkeeper mistakes from Simon Moore, I think it was. That's ended up in... And uh, we ended up losing, was it 3-2? Yeah. Like that. That's right. Yeah, and we should have been out of sight before... Yeah, we were too first. Yeah. Hamer yeah. got sent off, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Hamer got sent off. Yes. Um, Couple of more messages before we go. What a great show, says Robin Fletcher. Thank you very much, Robin. Cov Andy, great show. Thanks, chaps. Keith Ray, brilliant. Thank you. Um, Keith Ray says the Cook three spires matches. Uh, I'm not sure what he means by that, Keith. What do you mean by that? The Cook three spires match. I'm not sure. But um, uh, you are David Cook. I talked about David Cook earlier. Oh right, he okay. The man responsible for the bribe. He was a tobacconist. Yeah, that's yeah. how he that's how he made his name and money, and oh, they okay. had they had they certainly had three spires tobacco, yeah, which was the three Coventry spires. Yes, uh, I didn't know about the matches, 
but oh right, okay. Back oh, oh right, I see what you mean. Yeah. Matches as in lighting matches, not yeah. football matches. Yeah, yeah, so I thought it was football matches. I yeah, I thought it was football matches. That's what I was trying to think. Yeah. I was trying to think. But yeah. no, it's been uh, fantastic having you on there. Uh, uh jim um and thanks thanks for your time and it's been a great knowledge um claudio you got anything to say before we finish yeah thanks very much jim uh it's been a pleasure talking to you and uh we're gonna go off air if you can just stay on after you've gone off air yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah thank you very much thanks for coming okay. thank you thank you uh, okay you've been listening to skyboy fans tv with uh super fan Jim Brown and Claudio as well uh, who's got a lot of knowledge but uh, I think Jim beat us both to it tonight with some, some of the uh, stories we've heard it's been a fantastic show uh, you can listen back obviously on all the social media platforms um, if you're listening back if you want to listen back to it it's been we've gone on a little bit longer than we normally do uh, but it was a as I'm sure you'll agree a fascinating show and a lot of nice stories to uh, to listen to we're back in action of course on saturday our next live show is on thursday with miles uh, where we'll be getting a hopefully a millwall fan on to talk about the um millwall uh, game coming up on saturday so hopefully we can go back into action after this international break and get three points back in the bag which we much very much needed so um all i do say thank you very much again jim thanks claudio and uh, we'll leave you with a play up sky blues play up sky blues Good night. Sky Blue Fans TV. For the fans, by the fans.